leadership in cybersecurity isn't just about understanding threats. It's about leading a team to navigate them with confidence. At CPF Coaching LLC, we specialize in taking your leadership skills to the next level. With over 15 years in the cybersecurity field, we empower professionals and startups to reach unprecedented heights. Imagine having a personalized coaching experience tailored to your unique career ambitions. From strategic planning to masterful pitch and interview preparations, we're here to guide you through every challenge. Join us for our unique value proposition workshops or dive into our vibrant learning community for continuous skill advancement. Don't just be a part of the industry. Redefine it. Visit cpfcoaching.com for more information. Discover the leader within. Contact CPF Coaching LLC today and schedule your strategic session. Welcome to another episode of Breaking Into Cybersecurity, where we develop the next generation of cybersecurity leaders. Today's guest is Larry Whiteside. But before he starts, please make sure that you share this episode with others, as that is the goal of generating the next generation of leaders. And for that, we need to share the message with everyone that's interested in becoming a cybersecurity leader. Larry, tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, so first I'll start. Thank you. I want to thank you for the opportunity to sit here and have this conversation. Second, to the last statement you said about sharing, I'm a huge proponent for the community. We as practitioners and people who, have, who share faith and share the knowing desire that this community needs to be more diverse, we have to create and get into communities of other people who think like us and are willing to work down this path. So thank you for doing that. Now, all about me, which isn't the most important part of what we're going to talk about today. I, Larry Whiteside Jr., I've been in this industry almost 30 years. I'm a former Air Force officer. I ran information warfare at the Pentagon just before getting out for the last few years, um, before I got into private sector in early 2002. And since then, I've been uh, an executive cyber leader at a number of different co companies around the globe. It's been fun. I've had large, very large and small, very small teams in many different industries. A lot of healthcare, some financial services, some energy, oil and gas type stuff. And so I've done the consultant side. I've done a little bit of everything um, in this time frame, uh, which then also means I've seen and experienced a lot. And so this aspect of diversity for me is a passion of some friends of mine, other cyber leaders. And I, we co-founded an organization that was called ICMCP. I'm going to give you the old tongue twister name, International Consortium of Minority Cybersecurity Professionals that we then properly decided to rename Cybersity. Uh, and I like to say the name came from cybersecurity and diversity having a baby. And the real mission of Cybersity is really to really to get butts in seats and really change the dynamics of the industry to get more, make the industry of Cybersity more diverse, right? And specifically targeting, right? Underserved communities, LGBTQ+, BIPOC, people of color, and the like. And that's definitely an important mission. And as you've grown along the way, what are some of the sting or really obvious things that company, a team would gain from adding diversity to their team? Yeah. So I, I use the word lens a lot and I'll explain what that means. Every person on the planet 
has some form of a unique vision, right? So you can go to the eye doctor and get a pair of glasses, a prescription for you, and then share them with your wife or with your children, right? And your children are your children, right? They're born from the same lineage as you. But even with that, they don't necessarily see through the same lens. That's what I tell people to think about when they think about diversity. We have unfortunately gone down the path when we talk about diversity of always going directly to race and skin color. And yes, that's a component of it, but that's not it in its entirety. The purpose for diversity in cybersecurity is because A, the problem is growing faster than we can throw things at it. So with that, we need to have as many people in the room with as many lenses as possible thinking of different ways to solve the problem. That's how we attack the problem faster and better is by having more ideas of how to solve it and then coming to some level of understanding of which one of those is best that we can then move forward with. If you have a room full of people who all think alike, have a similar lens, they're not going to have the same lens, but have a similar lens, who have gone to similar schools, who come from similar backgrounds, they're all going to see things through a common lens. And you're going to have what you call groupthink that ends up being how you attack problem solving. Well, that gives you this very narrow and myopic view of problem solving in your organization. And you tend to then always be behind the curve. And so our goal with diversity is really to get broader sets of problems brought to the table, broader sets of ways to solve problems brought to the table so you can think more broadly about how to solve said problems that you're facing. And you more specifically, why did you decide to become a cybersecurity leader versus staying an individual contributor in your career? Yeah, so me being a leader is just going to go with, and I put it out there, and everybody who knows me knows I wear my face on my sleeve. I think that's what God built me to be. I was in the military, right? When you go and I went in as an officer, I'm going as an, in as an officer, you are automatically thrust into leadership. And being a junior officer, you have this balance between individual contributor and leadership. And so at the base level, you're, you're a leader, but you're also an individual contributor in some ways. I found myself gravitating more towards being a leader. Not that I don't like doing things, but I like leading people. And I like being someone who can, at a granular level, and I love, I'm a community person. I'm big on people, leadership. I'm big on teaching. And so I've got eight children. <laughs> Right, and two stepchildren, an adopted daughter, and five biological children from my ex-wife. So I am just about that. And so for me, when I came out of the military, I don't even think it was a question for me of whether I was going to be an individual contributor or go into a leadership role because I like building teams. I like watching other people succeed. I like watching people go and then learn from me to then go build themselves. Throughout my career, I've had opportunities where I've been individual contributors, been an individual contributor. And even as a CISO, I've gone into some places that there was nothing. They hired me as a CISO and I was an individual contributor as I began building. And then I had to start hiring and building a team. Just always felt that leadership was more my calling, right? Me being able to lead and influence others in a direction to do something that I think is pivotal. And as you think about leadership, what do you think the critical skills for leadership are? Yeah, so really good question. Honestly, first is, is listen more than you speak. A lot of leaders think that leading is about telling people what to do, and it's not about telling people what to do. It's about listening to others, understanding who each person is as an individual, and then being able to guide them based on certain principles that you have as a leader. 
right? Every leader's got their set books or things that guide them, their principles, whatever that may be. But a lot of them tend to talk more than they listen. I say, God gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. And so with that, great leaders have a great ability to listen to people around them and take that, and whether it's taking feedback or just taking input from them based on who they are, what they want to be, how they operate well, and being able to transition and turn that into helping them be the best person that they can be. Wow, that's definitely true. I've been hearing that phrase more and more, two ears in one mouth, and that's definitely true. Let's dive into some of the common uh, competencies that I've seen over and over and see your thoughts on them. With a scale of one to five, how do you rate your comfort level with delegation? And why is it such a critical skill? Yeah, so... I'm I'll tell you where I was. I used to be 10 years ago. 10 years ago, I had the mindset that nobody's going to do it better than me, so I'll just do it, right? I would just do it. I would tell my leaders, hey, here's some of the things I need, and then I would go create the presentation. I would tell the leaders, hey, I need these things, and then I would go do some of the things that I could have delegated. Delegating is difficult. Right now, I'm at a five, or I'll say I'm at a four because I don't think there's any such thing as perfection. I'm at a full. I realize delegation, a lot to delegation is you being comfortable with yourself, right? Because it has zero to do with the other people most of the time that you don't trust them. Because if you didn't trust them, you wouldn't hire them. They wouldn't be in the roles they're in. It's that you feel more comfortable getting it done yourself versus teaching them. And I learned that through my career that the day I step into a role is the day that I need to be succession planning. So when I set my role as an executive in whatever organization, right, I need to be thinking about what's my succession plan? Who am I building up to be able to take my role? I should not be creating my role in a way that it is one that uh, if I go away, it can't be done. But a lot of us felt have over the years felt job security in doing that. And it sometimes can turn around and bite you in the butt. I thank God it never bit me, but. I've seen others where it has, and through a lot of reading, through a lot of self-reflection, I came to the point of recognizing my own flaws and my ability to delegate. So I think it's crucially important to understand that. And if you are not someone who likes to delegate, you need to identify why, because it's a critical part because it builds trust with your team. And it also helps them build the capability and the muscles that they need to really do their jobs better and understand yours. And while not dissimilar, Let's talk about collaboration. How do you rate yourself on the scale of one to five? And why is it such a critical skill? Yeah, so collaboration is huge. I'm a five on collaboration simply for the fact that I like everybody bringing to the table. When I talked about community in the beginning, I'm a huge community person. I'm a huge person about ensuring that everybody's coming to the table so that we don't get down a path and then somebody's raising their hand feel like that they did not, they weren't a part of it. And this really goes to the crux of cybersecurity, right? We were in a bubble for a long, long time. And if you were in an organization that was developing, right, development was off doing their own thing. And then after the fact, we got to watch and we were raising our hand like, hey, we were never part of that, right? CISOs never being brought to the board, right? In my early days, it was a long time before I got to the board, right? But the business is going down this path. And you're like, hey, why wasn't I part of that conversation? And for me, I, the reason I know how important collaboration is because I've been on the other side of not being part of it. And so I recognize the value of it. 
and how if everybody doesn't feel like they have a voice and are part of helping make the decision of whether you're going to turn right or turn left as you go down this road, the impact to both the project or initiative, as well as the impact on the individual who's being left out. And while we dived into a component of this, how do you rate yourself for the skill of communication and why is it such a critical skill? Yeah, communication. Some people say I'm a little too talkative, (laughs) but I'm big on communication. I will say timeliness is sometimes a thing, but just the overall aspect of communication, uh, people tell you all the time, I say this, I love to run my mouth. So I don't have a problem communicating, but I think communication is critical because that's how you keep both your team and your leadership informed of what you are doing, what's going on, what's happening. If you don't communicate and you sit again in our bubble of cybersecurity, which happens from time to time, you tend to be less out of other things. And I think that communication, proper communication ensures that you are part of the other conversations. Right. So I'll give you an example. If that's a cyber leader, you are not doing regular touch bases with your peers across your organization. Right. You then don't get read into the other things that they are doing, the other things that they are getting pulled into. Right. Inside of your organization is by having regular conversations with your peers. Those conversations you have with your peers, when you begin to dissect things, share with them what you're doing and ask them and listen to the things that they're doing, you'll start to see some synergy across that. And they'll start to understand, here are some areas that I need to bring security in. So for me, communication is huge. Now, an interesting one. Why would you consider influence such a critical skill for cybersecurity? Yeah, (laughs) see, this one is simple for me. Influence in security is so important because you're asking people to do things hard, right? Security is the one thing across a business ecosystem that can slow everything down. And for organizations, right, whether it's tech, whether it's some certain business units or whatever, they want to move quickly. They want to move. So security, because security has yet to learn to move at the speed of business, when we get pulled in or when we in- inject ourselves or integrate ourselves, we tend to slow things down because for the most part, most cyber leaders are not at the beginning of the conversation. They get brought in some phase later and they become a checkbox that must be checked before something moves on. And because they weren't integrated from the beginning, now this is a blocker. This is a stopping point. This is a, so you have to be an influencer there. But then even if you are brought in at the beginning of the conversation, you're going to make things more difficult. You're going to make things more costly. Again, you're going to make things move at a pace slower than anticipated to get to the end goal. And you have to help them understand the risk that you're helping mitigate, right? Along that path, whatever that path is that they're going down towards whatever that particular business is. So with that, being able to influence decisions, being able to help people understand and being able to communicate in the language of the person you're across the table from becomes ever more critical. Now, I know you're really good at this one, but how would you consider networking with people as a critical skill for cybersecurity and why? Yeah, so that one, again, I think I'm a five. And I think I'm a five in this one. I tell people this all the time. I've learned more from the community that I engage with, the people that I network with, the people that I talk to on a regular basis, more than any training I've ever taken, right? 
because yes, training is going to get me some aspect of knowledge related to a specific technical discipline or thing, but might get me knowledgeable about things that I probably wouldn't have otherwise known about until it impacted me directly, impacted my organization directly, impacted one of my staffers directly, right? Those types of things. So learning from the community is only happens if you engage in network. And so for me, that's a huge part of my world is continuing to have conversations with pretty much everyone on a pretty regular basis about things that are happening, asking questions, seeking to understand. It's the whole aspect of seeking to understand is a lost art. So many people go in with an agenda and they, when, they want to, when they want to know something um, or when they start a dialogue about something versus seeking to understand. Because I've got people who I've got opposing views with, who I'm great friends with, and we never argue about it. We never, right? We are, even though we may be on polar opposites as it relates to certain topics, because my goal is always to seek to understand why they feel, think, or believe that way. It's not in a way that I then utilize against them to tear down. I just want to know. And for me, it's about, it's that knowledge that I gain when networking is communicating with people. And in the cyber industry, it's even more so because you know, information sharing is such a challenge in cyber. We, we've talked about information sharing. There have been tons and tons of tools that have been developed to try and facilitate information sharing, private to public to private, company to company, and all this. And we can't get it right. We just we continue to hit these barriers of legal and regulatory and blah, 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 all these things that have stopped us, right? Guess what? It can happen person to person. I've gotten more private CISO right, either in Slack or in Signal, or WhatsApp, or whatever, where we are sharing things that we're dealing with in our organizations, or as a leader, or with staff, or with something that I hear from other people. I'm like, oh, I've never dealt with that. Or they're coming up with something that I've dealt with before, where I say, oh, yes, I dealt with that. This is how I did it. This is what we did. This is what happened. Here were the out. So for me, that is absolutely critical, and probably one of the most fun things I get to do every day. What advice would you give to future cybersecurity leaders? Yeah, find your community, find, build it, be open and listen more than you talk. And I, let me start this away. I'm going to start with listen more than you talk. A lot of people reach a certain pedestal, so to speak, and feel that, okay, I've now achieved something. Everybody listen to me. And the reality is the higher you climb in your career, the more you need to listen because there are new techniques, there are new threats, there are new everything coming out on a daily basis. The people who are really seeing, understanding, and getting to know what the hell that is are the people on the front lines. That is these the people in their one to seven years, right, of cyber and tech are dealing with all the new things that I call myself a dinosaur at this stage, but that we we couldn't fathom we started in this industry. And so with that, it's important for us to listen, right? Listen to a lot of things coming from all of these other areas versus just talking about how great we are or talking about all the things we're doing or talking about, right? It's that listening and then engaging, right? As you listen, find the things that you are passionate about that align to you and engage. But then the other thing is just be genuine. People are going to be able to read if you aren't who you portray yourself to be. If you get online and you try and paint a certain picture about yourself, the moment someone meets you, they're going to be able to tell if that's truly you or not. And you look at a lot of celebrities right, that, that portray a certain image and then they get out in the real world and they get met and they are this completely walled off person that doesn't want to, and they're like, oh, I thought this person, 
And so that, that would happen in our industry. And there are many, many people who have been put up on the wall of sheep or charlatan out at Black Hat. Uh, just be genuine, right? Both online and in person and be who you are. And it's okay. If you're a curmudgeon, own it. I know a couple of people who are curmudgeons and I love them dearly. And I call them that to their face. I don't just say it behind their back. I call them that to their face on a regular basis. And I still love them and I dialogue with them all the time, right? But I know who they are. And so for me, I appreciate it because who they are is who they are. And they don't try and hide it. They don't try and sugarcoat it. They don't try and gloss over it. That's who they are. And I appreciate that. I'd say Jeff Mann and Jack Daniels are two well-known curmudgeons. And Ira Wink Winkler to yes, that. Yes, that's true. <laughs> Ira's a good friend of mine. He's another that's one. You out Perfect. There. One more topic, since I know this is what you're passionate about. Let's talk a little bit more about diversity, inclusion, and equity. And kind of yeah. dive in what each of those mean and how we can enable those in the organization. Yeah. So diversity is pretty simple. We talked about that in the beginning is being able to find a way to bring people into your organization that, that sees through different lenses than you. So diversity is not just about skin color, but I start with saying diversity is not just a number. It's not just about us achieving a percentage. Oh, I've got a certain number of underrepresented communities and women in, in our organization. No. So diversity is about finding those people diverse without equity and inclusion, then you failed. Because equity is about making them feel, and equity and inclusion, I think, go together. Where equity is, are they being paid on scale with their peers? You can't bring this diverse talent in, but keep them at a 20% lower clip, others in similar roles, right? So, so that's one, that's the equity piece is making sure that these back-end components of how we create these roles, tier these roles, and pay these roles, that is equitable across the organization and across these roles as well. But this inclusion piece is huge because if you say, okay, 30% of my organization is diverse, great. And this could be diversity of thought, diversity of background, diversity, right? 30%. All right, great. But now, are they included? Are they, do, are they being made to feel like the ideas they come up with are being actually considered? Are they being invited to the meetings? Are they having, are they being put in places where they feel safe enough to openly share? Because I've seen situations that are a bit, I should say, I've been told about situations from diverse people where yes, they were hired, they fit all the diversity check boxes, got into an organization and they basically felt like they were put in the office and the broom closet office, the guy on the movie, the office where he was down there. There was a mop and a bucket in there. That's like, like, that's what they felt like they were, or they got invited to the meeting, but anytime they spoke up, they got talked over. No idea that they ever gave was actually ever validly discussed. So this whole component of inclusion is wildly important because an unfortunate reality today is women are leaving the cybersecurity industry faster than any other demographic. And it's because there's a huge lack of inclusion on the operational side of cybersecurity, right? In sales, women are growing in sales. So sales and cybersecurity is growing. But on the operational side of cybersecurity, the practitioner side, women are leaving in droves. And it's because there's lack of inclusion that they, are, that they feel they're being given as it relates to their ideas and their thoughts. 
And so with that, that piece right there, you can be as diverse as you want to be. But if you fall into groupthink where you've got 30%, so if there are 10, 10 people in the room and three of them are diverse, but those three are feel made to feel small and their ideas are not never heard and they never feel like they are part of the conversation because the other seven talk over them, talk around them, talk through them, right? The leader of that organization is failing them. Whoever that executive leader is failing them. I've been in these situations where I have had to shut people up and shut people down and say, hey, such and such just had an idea. Say that again. Let's talk about that. Let's dig into that a little bit, right? Because here's the reality. It's not that diverse people feel that their idea should be the one that's the best one. If they make a statement or come up with an idea, you walk through it and either validate it or devalidate it against everything else, then they at least feel like they were heard. But to not hear it at all, not go through the steps of validating or devalidating it versus all the other ones is where most organizations fall and they fail and they fail regularly. And it's really sad. And just to end it out, do you want to tell people what your shirt means? Yeah. So for hunger, hunger in our country is a problem, right? We're one of the richest nations in the world. And our company, RegScale, I'm very fortunate that we've got great, great leadership team at RegScale. And during our CKO this year, we did it in DC and we went and volunteered at a food shelter in the DC area. And we packaged foods and packaged goods for the DC community that they basically take out to schools, they take out to homeless shelters and the like. And so it was a great day of community service for us, but it also reminded me of the narrative that there are so many people in the United States that go hungry. I live in a community in Michigan where it could be sub-zero temperature and two feet of snow, and they would not close schools because such a large percentage of the students in schools, that was the only meal that they were having each day. So Fork Hunger is a statement by an organization out of D.C. It's a D.C. specifically, and so I bought this. I wear this shirt a lot just because I think it makes a statement. It's funny, but it's actually talking about a real problem. And not that you know, hunger is a huge mission of mine on top of diversity and everything else, but I'm just a humanitarian and I truly believe I am I'm a believer in people. And I, I'm always trying to find a way to utilize whatever platform I have to send a message that they're fit to be better humans. And so find something, find anything to to just because at the end of the day, I can tell you and my kids can tell you. We do something as simple as make homeless bags, right? And we buy dollar goods, put them into little paper bags, and we keep them in the car. And when we're driving and we come to a stoplight and there's somebody with a sign or whatever, we'll give them homeless bags. And it's got some non-perishable foods. It's got some things that will allow them to clean themselves and soap and toothbrush and little things. But the joy that my 9- and 11-year-old, the bottom of my kids, the last two in the house... <laughs> that they get out of that is is worth all the money in the world, right? And so if you find something, find whatever you're saying, do something. It, it really takes each individual saying, I'm going to step up to do something rather than just be in my own world. Because we are all citizens of this world together. And so I think everybody, and even with this aspect of di diversity, I say the statement, and, and it's interesting how many people hadn't thought of it until I say it. There's not been a single made in the history of the world that happened 
when it was only the empathic community standing up to complain about it. Women's rights, right? Affirmative action. Like there's nothing, if you think about that. So find whatever your thing is. And if you think it's an injustice, if you think it's wrong, stand up and be part of helping to make that change. And I'd say just on find that thing and work on it. That's a transferable skill that applies everywhere. Work, home, yep. where, wherever you are, it applies everywhere. So I'll, I'll on that, thank you, Larry, for joining us. And everyone, thank you for sharing with all the future cybersecurity leaders out there. And let's make a positive impact on this world. In the rapidly evolving world of cybersecurity, your business needs a guide that's as dynamic as the threats you face. CPF Coaching LLC delivers unparalleled expertise to elevate your cybersecurity startup or business with a decade and a half of specialized experience. We're not just advisors, we're your strategic partners in growth and risk mitigation. Our tailored advisory services range from immediate hourly guidance to comprehensive three or six month packages, all supported with encrypted messaging for real-time assistance. For more information, cpfcoaching.com is your destination. Forge a path to success and distinction in the cybersecurity landscape. Connect with CPF Coaching LLC today and secure your business's future.